All right, welcome back. Legal musings and charitable doings. The last chapter of this week's podcast. Kayvon, in legal musings, these are things that we find funny, interesting, or odd with some sort of legal component to them. You're going to love this story that I found. There is a legal battle over the record for Donkey Kong. Did you ever play Donkey Kong growing up? Uh, maybe at like a friend's house. We had we were, at, I think, a Sega house. So Sega. Uh, I don't know. There's so many Donkey Kongs too. So I'm not sure which one we're talking about. Is this the Super Nintendo? This is the classic video game. I don't know. It doesn't say what device, but there's a, apparently there's a whole community of gamers that fight to try to get the high score in different video games. And this guy, Billy Mitchell, who actually rose to fame by hunting high scores in classic video games is suing the internet game scoreboard company called twin galaxies because they stripped him of his record and are now banning him from all leaderboards saying that he cheated in obtaining the top score in donkey kong now that may be laughable maybe that may be a little bit crazy to talk about in our current state of affairs, people have bigger issues that they're dealing with than who holds the record to Donkey Kong. But it does it does talk about some legal things that I think people are very confused about. This is essentially a defamation lawsuit. In defamation, there are two subcategories, libel and, slant and slander. And I wanted to see if you would just, not necessarily related to this, although I would love your thoughts on what's going on with Billy Mitchell and Donkey Kong, but if you would explain your understanding of what libel means and what slander means under the umbrella of defamation. So before I get into that, cause I just read a little bit more here says that the accusation is that he did not use the standard. Cause I think it was an, like an arcade. So like one of those, you know, classic old school stand up and, play at it, not the sitting down with the controller situation. And so they're saying he did not use whatever, you know, the normal thing is he used something else. And he's saying that, no, uh, people saw me do it. I was using, you know, the exact thing. Uh, some, some kind of he said, she said here. But when it comes down to libel or slander, which I think one is written and one is spoken. I think slander is spoken and libel is considered to be written. That's right. But uh, the issue is, well, there, it, it can be divided into two, right? The question is whether this guy is a public figure because if he's a public figure, there's a lot, uh, the test is a lot harder for him to claim that someone uh, libel or slandered him. Uh, if he's not a public figure, which I really don't know. I mean, uh, I didn't know about him until today. So I'm going to say he's not a public figure. I think I know enough, you know, about pop culture, but maybe not. Uh, so let's assume that he's not a public figure just for the moment. Then the, the test is a little bit easier for him to claim. Um, I think the, the, the difference that the measurement there is whether, first off, it's gotta be untrue, right? Um, for both of them. So if it's something that's 
that's not true. If it's something that's that's true or even pretty close to true, right? Uh, you got no case. But if it is turns out to be true, it's a, really a question of whether the the defendant, um, you know, knew about it and consciously uh, disregarded it, uh, which is again that's probably circumstantial. Uh, and I think they have to show that there is some, some malice involved uh, as well versus uh, when it's not a public figure, it's a little bit easier. Um, but, you know, you also have to have some, some damages here. So, you know, I guess there might be some. I, I'm not really sure. I don't know enough about the, the gaming world. And this is, and I think it would be different if, because gaming now is, is quite a big deal, right? You've got people on some of these Fortnite and other games. I don't play that one, but I know it's it's relatively well-known and, and some others that are, there's a pretty big gaming community. And if there is an allegation like this, um, it, there could be some real uh, damages, right? People could lose sponsorships. People are making some real coin off of uh, esports now, especially now that, you know, the others, the, the, the non-esports, I think we just call those sports, uh, are are not you know going on. So esports are being televised on ESPN now. They're a big deal. I don't know if Donkey Kong fits the bill on that. But if this person has damages, and we're not talking about a, you know a few hundred bucks or something like that, probably something in the thousands, uh, then he has you know probably an actionable claim for this, assuming that uh, it's untrue and and, um, and and they knew about it to some degree. So you know I. People, people say untrue things all day long, right? Whether it's something that's actually consequential um, is a completely different, um, you know, matter. I think the allegation here in some ways is that uh, he is a cheater, right? Where he, you know, wasn't before. That's why you hear on news broadcasts all the time, they add the word allegedly just to say they're behind in case things turn out the other way, especially in court cases they're still, you know, that have already been decided because an appeal can still happen to use the word allegedly to follow that. So you can also be guilty of, of, of these things if you repeat, um, and especially with news organizations, if you repeat uh, this information, um, news organizations are expected to do some kind of investigation uh, before just publishing stuff. Now, it's one thing if it's just some ragtag uh, online website or magazine. It's it's another if it's like the New York Times, right? And so a lot of these big cases over slander, slander and libel uh, really involve you know companies where uh, they've got some kind of uh, I don't want to say cachet, but you know they've got some real currency uh, as far as what they publish and what they say. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're some, if, if, if some guy, right, outside a bar who's just, you know, hammered, starts spewing some, some libel or slander, no one's going to take him seriously, right? He's already, you know, off kilter and, 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 and off his rocker. But when it's presented, right, as a fact um, and, and, and serious like that, then yes, I mean, there's a connection between the wrong, which is the, the lie and the harm. Uh, which is, you know, the damages. Someone lost some something of value, or um, their their good name, right, was 
don't know how well this guy is, is known, really. It's hard to say. My question is, how many quarters does it take for someone to break the world record for the highest score in Donkey Kong? If you're talking about one of those stand-up arcades, you got to be pumping those things with quarters. I mean, that's – the guy, he must have been alone. I thought you have to lose to have to pay more. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. So maybe just one quarter. But I don't think, you know – I don't think that matters here. He probably wasn't even probably wasn't even using quarters, right? Probably not. Probably owned the machine. So it's, it's uh, esports. Is, that's that's an interesting. This is an interesting story to say the least. Well, and I think what you highlighted the idea of, of whether there's consequence to the statement or whatever was said that could be considered libelous or slanderous. And I think that's important. I get called a lot from friends, family, because I'm sure you get this as well. As an attorney, you're supposed to know everything, even though you don't necessarily practice in that area of law. And they asked this question. Someone went on social media and said something bad about me. And I think the word that you use about, you know, consequential, what is the, what is the harm? Yes, I understand your feelings were hurt or you were upset, but what is the real harm? And what is that what is the consequence of that harm and how does it affect you? And, and I think that's hard for people to understand. They think that that's, you know, if someone says something that's, they slandered me. If someone wrote something, that's they you know, they libel, they libeled me. But what does that mean? Like, and I don't mean to be inconsiderate, but if, if it doesn't harm you in some way that damages your reputation, as you said, and that causes some sort of loss in, compensation, loss in income, loss in, in something that is valuable, then I think your claim can't or won't really go anywhere because you're not going to meet the hurdle that's required under the law to prove your case. And that's, that's one of the disconnects I think that people have with defamation claims is, well, someone defamed me, but they can't, they can't then meet the next hurdle, which is I was harmed. And this is how that harm affected me, not just emotionally harmed, but there's actual legitimate harm that can be pointed to and explained. And maybe Bitch, Billy Mitchell here, you know, if he's a, if he holds many world records and now he's labeled a cheater and stripped of all of those, and he maybe had endorsement money or other forms of compensation he received because of those accolades. Yeah. That, that, that's actionable in my opinion. That that's true. If, again, if the statements were made, they were untrue. Like you said, they meet the standards that you've already laid out. I think that he's got a decent argument to make. I don't think, you know, you're playing Call of Duty with someone and they, you know, make up their, they call you a cheater. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, all right. Not well, actionable. I am a cheater. No, um, <laughs> but I'm not very good at, at video games. But uh, so I would probably have to cheat to really get anywhere. Uh it sounds like this guy, this uh, Twin Galaxies website leaderboard, it, you know, it's to be taken in a relatively serious light, uh, as well as, I guess, the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, but does anyone really, you know, a jury care, I, I think is what you're getting at. Maybe, maybe not. I think it depends on where you're at. If you're in North Dakota, I don't think anyone cares. If you're maybe in um, San Francisco, maybe a few more people care. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of exceptions to, to libel and, and slander. So even if it's 
even if it's true, right, and, and even if it does have possibly, you know, some harm, was it really in jest or was it seriously, right? And, and the, the big case that, um, well, there's a couple of cases that are, are pretty big, but uh, I think the one that, that everyone should maybe uh, see this movie is, um, what is it, The People versus, uh, who's the guy from The Hustler magazine? Flint, is that? Yeah, Flint? The People yeah. versus very Larry Flint. And that movie is probably one of the better sort of legal movies, right? Where they're actually outlining, because it's, it's all about a Supreme Court case. Uh, really, the facts are that uh, Larry Flint uh, had an ad in his magazine, Hustler, which I don't even know if it's still around anymore, but, but back in, well, the 70s or the 80s. And it suggested something about, something unsavory, I'll say. I won't say it here, but you can look it up if you want. Something unsavory about, um, was it Jerry Falwell? Yep. He's like a famous yep. reverend. Yep. And, and so Larry Flint was, was charged with a, a crime, actually, right? Uh, and, you know, he was prosecuted and, and they appealed it under the First Amendment. And this thing went pretty far, right? All the way to the Supreme Court, as far as something can go. And I think what the opinion eventually said, and this, I'm pretty sure this paved the way for all the satire uh, and a lot of great comedy, frankly, that we see today, is that, you know, if it's in jest, and, and I think most people can tell, right, when something's, you know, in jest like that, uh, sarcasm or otherwise, whatever comedic tool you want to call it, uh, it's not, you know, it's not actionable. Uh, huge case, huge decision for that type of law. It doesn't probably apply to a whole lot of other things, but when you, you know, watch Comedy Central or someone's, you know, uh, other comedy piece, you'll notice a lot of things that you could not, probably not do until that court case really paved the way uh, for, uh, you know, all of these things. Uh, and so <laughs> there's all kinds of politicians you don't have to look very far uh, that, uh, you know, talk about how they're, you know, talked in a certain way. Uh, the test for them is even harder, right? Because they're public figures. So Jerry Falwell was a public figure. And so if, if uh, the Hustler magazine had done the same thing to uh, just some random everyday person, they might have, you know, a, a, an actionable, you know, there was an actionable claim there, um, but probably never going to be a a real good criminal case, uh, different time period. I'll say that too. So let's wrap up this week's podcast with charitable doings. It's something that's very important to us here at Negretti and Associates and hopefully important to a lot of people just doing charity work. And I think people are recognizing the hard work that all the first responders are doing right now. This one that I, that I want to talk about was inspired by by your lunch today, which I know sounds bizarre, but where did you have lunch today, Kayvon? Shout out to Noble Eatery and yes. Noble Bread. Why Dude, yeah. if I cannot, I cannot like overstate this. If you live in the Phoenix Metropolitan, you have to find your way to Noble Bread. It's over on 24th and Calback, I guess just just to the um, south, south of, of Calback, but. It's fantastic. Their it, their bread is sold at restaurants, local restaurants all throughout the valley. 
it's up there. My nephew moved out here from New York. I know Kayvon, you're from New York. He says it, it rivals and could be better than some of the bread back home. He sends loaves back to his family in New York. He thinks it's that good. And you know, New Yorkers, they, everything's in New York. Nothing's anywhere else. And he, right. he conceded this one. So the reason I say that is it segues into the great American takeout. The great American takeout was an initiative that started back in March when all these restaurants were required to go to a takeout only model. They couldn't have patrons in their restaurants. And so this, you saw this push to get people on a certain date that they were Tuesdays to go to various restaurants. And, and I, I researched this a bit before this podcast because I'm curious, I was, I'm always curious to how things start. And this was not intended to be driving people to restaurants that participate in a program. This was go to whatever your restaurant of choice is. If you like noble bread, go there and take out food because we're, we're trying to help these small businesses survive and these restaurants survive this really ugly economic time that they're in. And so the, the great American takeout was actually started by an agency uh, that is called, where did, I, where did I see that? It's called the, what is this, this agency here? Let me just pull up the story I read because I want to make sure I give them credit because it's fascinating. It's the High, Wide, and Handsome Agency. It's an advertising agency out of California. And here's the impetus behind that. There is a chain called the Veggie Grill that has locations in California and Oregon and New York and Illinois and a few other states. And they reached out to their agency and said, we need some help. We need to kind of create some momentum here and, and get people eating out at least once a week if they can, because it's going to really help our industry. And so they tasked their agency, the high, wide and handsome agency to come up with something. And this agency came up with the great American takeout, which went nationwide. It just blew up and they actually just did one for Cinco de Mayo and will continue to do those for the foreseeable future, but it really is some good effort by these people to get the message out that, hey, if we all do a small part, we can have a big impact. And I, I love seeing things like that. Go to greatamericantakeout.com, I think it is. Uh, yeah, greatamericantakeout.com to read more about what they're doing to get involved. They're, they're looking for people to spread their messages on social media because obviously that'll uh, spark other interest and hopefully other patrons to take out food until people can get back into you know, dining at these restaurants, which I think in Arizona will happen sooner than we expected. Sometime maybe even this month, there may be a lot of restrictions on that and what you actually can do. But let's help our community. Let's help our businesses survive uh, what's happened here because of the the coronavirus and and do our part. So I love the the folks at the agency that came up with this. I love the fact that the Veggie Grill, which is a plant-based chain, which I've actually eaten at multiple times. I love it. Uh, came up with or created this urgency and had their 
firm come up with something, their, their advertising agency come up with something to get this message out. And it went, it went nationwide and, and hopefully has had an impact on a lot of small businesses. So with that, Kayvon, thank you for joining me this week. And uh, let's do it again next week. See you next time. All right. Bye-bye.